Welcome to The Sway Effect, a podcast series featuring the innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are shaping the marketing and communications industry today. I'm Jennifer Risi, the founder and president of The Sway Effect. Together, we will explore in this podcast what's now and what's next in our industry and how we connect brands with industry experts, media, and influencers the world over. Thank you for joining us for the next installment of this podcast. A lot has happened since our last conversation. We were recently named an up-and-coming agency by PR Week as part of their 2021 agency business report. And just recently, we launched a new product suite focused on helping brands determine their power of holding sway. Get it? Holding sway? The product suite includes a diagnostic tool focused on a six-point criteria that will help brands understand their power as well as how to maximize and sustain its potential. If you're interested in taking our test, please reach out to inquiries at theswayeffect.com. Today, I'm thrilled to have as my guest, Megan Hooper. Megan is the founder of Be Smart and another one of our amazing network partners here at The Sway Effect. Hi, Megan. Hello, Jen. How are you? I'm good. For those of you who do not know Megan, in addition to being the founder of Be Smart, an organization focused on creating customized content on behalf of brands to attract, retain, and cultivate talent, she is also a seasoned mentor, advisor, and inspirational speaker who has helped thousands of people overcome their unconscious bias and manifest their professional purpose. Megan uses the experience she gained working her way up from administrative assistant to chief operating officer of a top hedge fund along with her theater degree and stand-up comedy experience to help employees maximize their potential and increase workplace fulfillment. Megan, I'm so happy that you're here today. We have so much to talk about. Thanks, Jen. I'm very excited as well. So let's, let's, get, let's kick the conversation off by, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about Be Smart and why you created the organization? So... I have been having conversations with uh, millennial and Gen Z women and some men uh, over the last six years uh, with hundreds of people. And I've listened to what they need and what they want. And what I began to do was to create mentorship content that addressed the needs that they felt would help them identify their purpose. Uh, and people, the, the young folks, they don't want to just make more money. They really want to feel like they're making a difference in the world. And after having hundreds of conversations in small group settings, in workshops, keynotes, one-on-one, and in my online forum with thousands of members, I have come to know and believe that there is an opportunity for brands to take all of this content, all of this need, all of this hunger, and funnel it in a direction that can transform our world, transform companies, transform communities, and transform the world. I see that connection between what these young people are looking to do and what brands uh, want to do through their mission, their values, their services. And I see an opportunity to connect them and add just fuel to this fire to let the millennial and the Gen Z folks <laughs> um, um, really transform the world and manifest their their purpose and potential. They're hungry. They're ready to do it. So you and I have known each other for quite some time, and I know you've worked a lot uh, with various women um, and different uh, different groups all over the country for for many many years. But the organization is taking a little bit different of an approach moving forward. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? 
I began Be Smart as an opportunity to mentor women because it was women who were coming to me asking how I did it. How did I go from a, a young woman in the South, petite theater major, to being a, a decision maker and having authority um, in financial services and hedge funds? And so I would share my advice. And it was the women who were coming to me in Hungary. Um, I will add to that, though, that I have mentored in a professional setting a number of men. I've written a number of recommendation letters for MBA programs that I'm uh, very proud of, and I had a male mentor. So all of the content that I would share with them, the advice, the leadership lessons learned, have nothing to do with being a woman. It was just the women who were hungry for it. Um, I suppose I'm at an interesting apex. Uh, I have a three-year-old daughter, and now I have a one-year-old son. Um, and my husband is an incredibly woke individual. And I think it's time to involve all people in the conversation, um, how that we can lift everyone up. I, uh, you know, giving birth to my second child, working uh, from home with Zoom, it became apparent to me how important men are, not just in the conversation, but the proactive role of supporting women holistically, parental leave, et cetera, et cetera, from a policy standpoint. If we really want women and all people to manifest their purpose, I mean, we want to elevate women, but the children are, are everyone. And it's really the children that are going to inherit the world. So we need to invest in men and women and the time is now. So your goal is to work with everyone, which is awesome. And talk a little bit about how you want to work with brands today. I came to New York City, an aspiring actress, like many people, wanting my dreams to come true. And my life was changed because of a, of a senior executive, a man from the South, who really, you know, he was, he wasn't, he wouldn't self-describe him as woke. He didn't necessarily intend to empower a woman. But he saw potential in me. He's had a vision for what I could do and what I could be. And it changed my life. My life was changed. I was making more money than I ever thought I could make. I had a role. Um, I was achieving things professionally that I never thought I could. And it was so transformative for me. And I know how companies and brands can do that for their entire workforce. When I launched Be Smart, I launched mentorship groups where we would have conversations, hearing from people. What are their goals? What do they need to get there? And what we found was two things. They not only need the content, they not only need the, the practical lessons and mentorship and life advice, they need that community support. And what we found was in our small group settings, I set up dozens and dozens and dozens of small group, um, we call them mentorship groups with a leader or facilitator, that while they were studying mentorship material and while they were taking steps to advance their career and their lives, it was really at the end of the day that support, that sense of belonging. And that belonging happens best in a, in a squad of eight to 10 people. And even though we were sort of providing some maybe artificial structure to it, people coming together, meeting for the first time, it still was a squad. It still worked. And so when I hear companies really wanting to create inclusive cultures, listening cultures, cultures of belonging, we did it and it transformed lives. And so if we want to really create cultures of belonging within organizations and within our communities, it starts with small group connectivity where you're learning. Yes, you're on the road to manifesting your potential, but most importantly, you feel like you're heard, you're respected, and you belong. And so I really want to help organizations who have that vision and have that passion do that effectively, help their employees connect with each other um, and feel that sense of belonging because I, I know it can happen. That's what I've been doing for the last six years. 
I think, you know, we're in a time right now where the voices of employees have never been more loud, powerful. Um, you have employees calling the companies they work for out if they see things happening that they don't agree with or making suggestions of changes to do to take the organizations forward based on what they think is the right thing to do. So you're seeing change now happen from the top down as well as the bottom up. And I think, you know, we're in a, in a moment of reckoning. And I think the, the folks that you're talking about that you've worked with have a more powerful voice than they've ever had. You know, are you seeing companies embrace that more? What, what, what are you seeing from your work on the ground? I hear a desire. I hear a desire from companies wanting uh, on social media, saying that they want to create uh, cultures that listen, where everyone feels like they belong. But I, I don't think they perhaps everyone knows how to do it. There's more of a desire right now than there are practitioners. So that's why I'm here to help. Um, and there's an important piece. It's important to get people together to speak and to listen and to hear and to set up that leadership training. And that's another thing we do. We don't just connect you in small groups, groups and say, feel that inclusivity. There's some training with that. There's some facilitation and group discussion. But what I have learned from creating communities online and offline and video chat for the last six years is that it's not just about connecting people. It's about connecting people around the right conversations, around the right values and vision. That's where the brands, I think, are spot on. They have a vision. They have values. They know where they want to go. They've got very inspired leaders, but they're trying to figure out, how do I get this out? How do I distill this? How do we transform our culture so that everyone feels this way, that it, we're walking and living our values and that that translates into productivity and esprit de corps and so forth. So you can't just have community. You have to have that strategic content. You have to have the messaging. Thank God for you, Jen Reese, for messaging. So you have to be able to take your values, your, your goals for your clients, for your customers, for your products, for your employees, and you have to communicate that. So we put it, we create training materials, uh, masterclass videos, podcasts, uh, workbooks, things for individuals to reflect on where they are and where they want to be, get a vision and a sense of that growth and development that's possible for them. And then to also discuss in that small group setting, because community without values is just anarchy. It's mayhem. And I think when you see this sort of angst um, and, and, a, a lot of young folks feel the just the vibration of anger and hurt and violence on social media right now, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So if we want to transform online and offline communities, um, as well as the company and a global uh, company culture, we have to be very specific about our values, our vision, about the conversation. And I'm not talking about controlling the conversation. I'm talking about guiding the conversation so that people can come together. Uh, so you can't have community without why you're there and why we're here. And you can't have content without community. They, they go hand in hand. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, so much of what you said, I mean, there was so much in what you just said. I don't even know where to pick it up. But I would say, you know, one of the things that I've seen a lot of, especially even on the heels of last week's verdict in the George Floyd case, you know, you see a lot of brands stepping up and just trying to do things differently and, and do activities and actions and take actions that are reflective of 
of the time, but also of the populations that they serve, the, comp the, the companies, the people that they serve, as well as the employees that, that work at the company. And, you know, I, I'm encouraged, right? Like someone said to me, you know, how are brands preparing for, for, the, for the announcement of, of the verdict? And I was like, well, you know, it's not about one moment. It's about a time where everybody needs to go all in and they need to activate all the commitments that brands made around when George Floyd was murdered last year. Right. So, I mean, let's see what has been done. Everyone made a lot of commitments and a lot of people saw it as a moment of PR, right? Like it's a PR moment that people just came out and made a statement. And what did they really back that up? And I think that's what you're starting to see a year later is which brands have stayed with it and are still committed to the commitments that they made. Because let's be honest, a lot of brands probably did do make statements for commitments and or commitments that were just for PR sake because they knew they had to do it or people hiring certain people because they look a certain way or fit a certain image. But I think that, you know, there are brands that are really starting to really drive change and want to reinvent their culture, want to reinvent the, the companies they work with, want to empower their teams, want to make more diverse teams, more diverse in their hiring, put DNI metrics um, at the center of their business strategy. So doing all the right things, but I think someone like you, Megan, could really be helping the brands that are struggling because I think to what we're talking about, what's on social media, there's no place for brands to hide anymore. You either are in it or you're not, and you're either doing the work or you're not. And if you're not, you're going to get called out. So how, how would you recommend for brands what they need to do right now based on this moment of reckoning of social justice that we're in right now? So I think we have to recognize that this has been a year of isolation and disen disenfranchisement for everyone in yeah. some way or another. Um, I am a, a, a white woman from the South with two children who gave birth at the height of the pandemic, m virtually lost my home, came to an Airbnb, yada, yada, yada. So hurt people hurt people. And everyone's hurting right now from, from for one reason or another. So we have to stop and realize that a culture of care has to include everyone or else the hurting's not going to stop. We're not going to stop hurting each other. So um, my aim and my interest really is in lifting everybody up so that everyone stops hurting each other. Um, to that end, once we stop hurting each other, where do we want to go? And that is why it is so important that the work brands do, the work that Be Smart, what we do, is helping brands have a vision for their employees, for their potential, how they are the innovators, how they can really rise up, grow, make more, do more, develop in that fast growing and rapid way. Because what uh, millennials and Gen Z, when they arrive, <clears throat> They are just birthing idea after idea right. for technology. So technology in, in so many ways. And so to foster that growth is how you do it. And the way you foster that growth and the way you allow people to heal from the way this the, the ways this year has been um, challenging and isolating is you allow people bring their full self and their ideals to the table. That has to do with having a vision for yourself and your employees. I go back to my boss and mentor in financial services, Robert Williamson, um, my first hedge fund. I was an administrative assistant with a theater degree. And he looked at me and he saw that I could do more, be more. He wasn't a perfect person. He came from an old Wall Street background. And certainly at times said something that would have been more appropriate in the 80s or 90s than than today. 
And he knew that. And he said that. He said, the world has changed. It's changed faster than me. But I think you have potential to to bring and do and create. And even though he wasn't perfect, and even though the world had changed faster than he had, he saw potential I had that was bigger than I saw for myself. And that's all I needed. It was permission. And when I, what I have found when I speak to people in my community yeah. and in mentor groups, they're just looking for permission to be fabulous, to be amazing, to innovate. They're waiting for permission. I don't know if it's our school culture or social media culture, but often the work I do is just to give them permission to innovate. And boy, they're off and running. So um, the companies, I mean, talk about bottom line productivity, um, adding fuel to the fire. That That's the power and potential brands have coming as imperfect people with an imperfect world and saying, we want you to be, do, and create. And we're here to support that, recognize, and we want your, your star to shoot past ours. That's what I've gotten from my male mentors who have really impacted me. They weren't threatened by my success and ability. And, and boy, they, they had my heart. I was, I was ready to work nights and weekends and at that time and that culture, not today. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is one of the biggest challenges you've faced? Hmm. Okay. So I, I arrived in New York very ambitious and excited to, to be and do all that was possible. It's such a place where if you can dream it, you can make it happen. And that was phenomenal for someone like me who has big dreams to connect with people and to move forward. For me, um, I got pregnant with my first child at age 36. And this country does not have the policies in place to support women, I immediately, when I had a belly bump, and this was just my experience, I, for the first time, started to limit myself, shut down, feel self-conscious, um, stop speaking up. I was sort of, um, you know, by if people saw the, my belly bump, I thought, oh, they're going to think I don't work as hard or I'm not committed. I'm suddenly not this ball buster I can be. Um, and then to breastfeed for a year, you know, you're on the phone negotiating for your worth and, and somebody is, you're breastfeeding, you know? I mean, these are these there are things that seem paradoxical in our culture. Um, I read a book called The Nordic Theory of Everything, um, and it outlines policies and procedures for uh, governments that we that corporations can implement for supporting women so that children are nurtured, they are fed, they have what they need. And that doesn't take away for the ability for women to contribute in a meaningful way. I mean, I was ready to give back and start doing, you know, pretty soon after I gave birth, but not 80 hours a week. And my husband missed out on being with the child because he was working 80 hours a week. So there's an opportunity to do better as it pertains to the care of women, children, affordable education, affordable health care, <laughs> two C-sections later, that's another story. So challenging was um, the challenges have to do with our infrastructure of policies that, again, global brands have the power to do something about. So inspiring. I mean, honestly, like I when, when I started Sway, you were one of the first people that I called to kind of give me your advice about what you thought I should do and if you thought this made sense. And you've been there the whole time. So to me, what, what you're doing and the work that you're doing and what you've overcome has been inspirational. So that's why I also wanted to have this conversation with you because I want people to hear all the great stuff that you're doing. 
Well, thank you. I mean, I think you've had some foresight too about how you can help brands being nimble, connect, creating a network, um, thinking with the hive mind, as they say, pulling together resources in a fast way. So thank, thank you to you as well. And for the advice you shared with my community, they loved your interview. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, I wanted to kind of get a sense of, you know, what has been some of the biggest learnings that you've had? Um, over the past year. I mean, this year has been, as you've said, a year of unprecedented change. We've all learned new ways to work. We're not going back. We're going to all have a new way to work. Um, and, you know, besides COVID, we've had this, this moment of social justice that has arisen in the U.S. that is just driving such change and presenting opportunities for folks like yourself to let big brands see what you could bring to the table and how you can really be that change agent that they need. Um, Talk a little bit about what you've seen over the last year. I mean, what I have learned is that the time is now, and you might not feel ready. You might be breastfeeding a baby. You might not be in your permanent home. Whatever's going on, you might have, you know, have an old mask and need a new mask and not sure if you're supposed to take it on or put it off. The time is now to do the work. And I think the the, the, the series of unfortunate events over the last year, at least for myself, it was one thing after another where um, we lived in fear. How deadly is this? Can I give it to grandma? Can I see people right. I love? I'm not going to weddings and funerals. And each of these things that we dealt with in the spring and then again in the fall and winter psychologically clipped our wings. And so everyone's trying to get reoriented again to change the world. Well, when we once everyone has the vaccine and once we're able to take the masks off and there's always going to be something, there's work to do. And what I would encourage those who are listening to do is to recognize that it's now is not the perfect time, but but now is the perfect time. And we have to start now. Um, and if there's something that you can do, and that's another thing, a lot of people have been stuck at home thinking about ideas they've had, thinking about life changes. And I think this has been an opportunity to shift a new normal. And I just want to give you permission, whoever you are, if you're listening listening to this, that idea you, you've had, what you want to do, what you want to ch change or innovate, the world is ready. The world is waiting. We need that now more than ever. I mean, there are statistics about how we have reversed in terms of women and gender yeah. and race and For equality. Sure. So the time is now. Start before you're ready. Just start. I, I've had, I had three conversations today alone with people who are considering changes, um, are in the midst of driving, of changing what they're doing. So it, it, it is a moment where I think where it was really bad, but, you know, people always say with every crisis comes opportunity and hopefully people can actually use this moment of self-reflection and all these challenges we've had um, to kind of do the things they want to do and, and make, and just do the changes and do what they want to do and, and do things better and differently and not be afraid to rip that bandaid off. I mean, I can't wait for you to get back to New York. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to switch it up a little bit. So, you know, we're talking a little bit about um, what you've been doing and, and your journey and what Be Smart is and, and how you work with brands. Let's talk a little bit about at the individual level. What advice would you give someone if you had to name one or two things that any any employee can do to drive DEI at their company? What would it be? 
listen. Stop talking and listen to everyone around you. Close your mouth. Put the mask on. Listen. And listen to not just what people are saying. Listen to what they're not saying. Listen to the ways in which this past year has been scary for them and frightening for them. And maybe the way they're talking right now or responding is reactive. And it's to the past year that we've had. And maybe just give everybody a little bit of grace, a little bit of a, a free pass of, I think you probably just had one of the scariest years of your life, childcare, this and that, elderly, death, marriages, and say, I'm going to come from a place of myself, insecurity, and not sure where I'm going and how this is all going to end up. But what I'm going to commit to do is listen, because we are human beings. And when we really listen to each other, we all want the same thing love, unity, connectivity, growth, opportunity to manifest our potential and purpose. Those are all good things and all people want those beneath the layers of hurt and fear. And if someone is re reacting to you in a negative way, you just have to ask yourself, how, have, how are they in fear? How have they been hurt? How does this year make them respond this way? How is it making you respond this way? And know that what they want is what you want growth, opportunity, and freedom, and we can have that. So I would say, listen, and listen with your ears, eyes, and heart. And the next I would say, know that your potential and what you have to give and the what you have to bring to your company is not just good and smart and insightful. It's unique and it's needed and the people who are in charge of your company want you to be successful. They want you to innovate. They want you to bring your ideas and leave things better than you found them. So don't, don't leave anything on the table. You, are, you were brought in to be great. And what you have to give is unique. And when you are great, that changes. That transforms your, your corporate culture. And that bleeds into our communities. And that bleeds into our world. So when you are your, 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 the self that you know you can be and you're contributing the ideas and the innovations that you see without being asked, that entrepreneurial spirit, that is how you change the world today. And you do it today. Looking at the role and the importance of partnership and collaboration. What role does partnership, especially the most senior people in an organization and just your average employees who have more have greater voices than they've ever had, how do they collaborate to really drive the change? What does that partnership look like? Sure, you mean the partnership between the senior leaders and the employees? Yeah, because I think there's a partnership now that's stronger and more defined than it's ever been. I think once upon a time, when you and I worked in larger companies, it was sort of threatening if we were successful and good and had ideas and we innovated it. We kind of felt like maybe that sort of upset our boss or that our bosses didn't want us to um, to grow, grow, but not so much, not pass them, not make more than them. And And I think that brands and leadership are coming together and saying, we want all people, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, to be successful, to help take our company to the next level. We're committed to doing that. So I think it comes down to 
communication, that beautiful art of communication, brands and leadership saying, I want you to make more money than me one day. I want you to surpass me. That doesn't threaten me. That means that we're doing our job. Um, that's, that is so critical as a as a parent, I want my children to go and do and be more. And you know, when you're in a, an environment where those who have power, your boss, your boss's boss, when they say grow, but only so much, that's the problem. I'm an empowerment platform and we do empower, empower people. That's because I look at people the way I look at my children. I want you to do what you are capable of doing. And that doesn't threaten me. And I want you to, I'm committed to your next step. This is really bold. This is really radical. But if what you want after this is your own company, master's degree, this or that, let's let's see how we can make that happen. My husband always ran um, a class of um, associates that, you know, eight-week training program. Part of that was where do you go after here? How how high can your star rise? And once they realized he was he had their back, he was in their corner, no matter who they were, what they looked like, age, race, and gender, he wanted to see their star star rise full stop. When you do that, you have the heart of an employee. And when an employee works with their heart, you get so much from them. And that's how you unlock potential. You say, I want you to go be and do more than you're imagining and beyond what I'm doing. And that that's how really that's that's the key to that partnership, empowering those who are junior. A person in power, empower someone who's junior when you are prepared and you want them to be more successful than you. And you bring that conversation to the table and say, when you graduate from this, where do you go and how can we make that happen? Whether that's in the performing arts, like it was for me. Um, a quick anecdote, I was a an actress and I would go on auditions, HBO, Nickelodeon. I had my hair and makeup done, soap operas. I made six figures and I was a chief operating officer of a hedge fund. And every time I left for an audition, my boss said, how to go? That's why I, that is why I, I was, um, I worked my fingers to the bone because I felt he had my back. Last thing, in one line, what piece of advice would you give to your, your younger self? Everything that's difficult is preparing you to be great. I love it. Megan, thank you for joining me on this podcast. I very much enjoyed chatting with you. And honestly, I'm glad folks who listen to this are going to get to hear your brilliance. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for tuning into The Sway Effect, our new podcast series from our network of innovators, disruptors, movers, and shakers that are changing the marketing and communications industry today. So let's sway together. Please like, review, and subscribe to all things that we're doing. Check out our new website at www.theswayeffect.com and follow us on LinkedIn at The Sway Effect.